I heard this week about a man who went on vacation to the Holy Land and his wife wanted to take her mother along. He said, well, honey, you know, she's pretty sick and he didn't really get along with her that great anyway. But he thought, well, if that's what you want, so they took her to the Holy Land on their vacation with them and sure enough, she had a heart attack and died while they were there. He went to the undertaker and the undertaker said, look, here's the decision. For $500, we can bury her here and give her a nice ceremony or for $15,000, we can ship her back to America and you can do the service there. He said, well, ship her back and we'll pay the 15 grand. And he said, are you sure? That's, that's a lot of money. We could have a nice service here. And he said, listen, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy here and in three days he rose again. I can't take the chance. Just ship her back. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law, though. Turn to someone and say, Happy Easter, and I love my mother-in-law. All right, just say that for just a moment. Oh, we're talking about comebacks today. I'm, I'm calling this Now I See, this sermon today. What a comeback. Kenny mentioned it already. Second largest comeback in the history of the NBA in the playoffs yesterday. 23 points down late in the third quarter. And the Blazers come back and win. And you talk about, yeah, that's cool. Talk about rising from the dead just when you think Brandon Roy is done, you know. And he's not going to be able to do it. He comes on, scores 18 in the fourth. I'm so happy for him. That was so cool. I love comebacks. Don't you love comeback stories? Today, we have the greatest comeback in the history of the world. They think he's dead. As a matter of fact, the disciples, the apostles, the ladies that followed him, the people that were close to him, didn't come to the tomb with any expectation that he really was the Savior. Think about that. None of them came back believing that he would rise again like he said he would. And we're going to look at one lady's story today named Mary Magdalene. John 20, verse 11, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped rather and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. And evidently, she doesn't recognize that they're angels because she's pretty casual here. And she says, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and move our hearts to know who your son Jesus is, to know that he came to die for our sins in such a way that we would surrender our lives more fully and that we might give our lives over to you, Jesus, as our Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Three things I want to point out from this text that speaks of Mary Magdalene's experience at the tomb there. And the first is this. There are many people today who haven't recognized who Jesus is. Now we pick up the story. The very next verse in John 20, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. There's a lot of people that have heard about Jesus that believe he's a great prophet, but they don't really recognize who he truly is. She didn't at that moment. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Now, Mary Magdalene had been following Jesus in his ministry, and she had followed him that whole week on his walk to the cross. 
She stood at the foot of the cross with all the other women as Jesus was dying. And now she loves him so much, she's going back to the tomb and she wants to present spices because she cares about him so much. She's totally bummed because she knew he was a great man. As a matter of fact, we see that the disciples, the apostles, would say all along through the scriptures while Jesus was living, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the living God. But none of them come to the tomb with expectation. They all think it must not have been he died. They don't remember the raising from the dead part that he told them, that he prophesied to them. And Mary comes totally bummed out, Mary Magdalene. She wasn't even expecting him to rise again. She was just going to give him burial spices. Do you recognize who he is? I want to read something to you. It's a dramatic reading. This is done initially by an African-American pastor who pastored for 40 years in San Diego, California from 1953 to 93. It's part of a famous sermon that he did. And in it, He shared the following, and his point is this, Jesus is indescribable. Do you know who he is? Let me read the words of this African-American pastor, and let me give it the drama and the emphasis that it deserves. Here's who Jesus is. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He is immortally graceful. He is imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He is preeminent. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest idea in philosophy. He's the fundamental truth in theology. He's the miracle of the age. He's the one, the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Do you know him? And he goes on to say, well, my king is the king of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. Yes, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you the heavens cannot contain him. 
let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him off of your hands. You cannot live him and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out that they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been. He always will be. I'm talking about he who had no predecessor. And he who has no successor. There was nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him and he's not going to resign. We try to get prestige and honor and glory to ourselves, but the glory is all his. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all the forevers, then amen. Let's give Jesus a hand this morning. Okay, I know I got carried away, but Kenny told me I should about Jesus. You heard that this morning, all right? That's something to be excited about. Mary thought he was a good man, a prophet, and knew that he could heal, and she felt loved by him, but she did not know that he was the king of kings. And she comes to this place at the tomb where she hears him, and look what happens in verse 16. She thinks he's the gardener, but then he speaks her name, and that's when she recognizes who he is. When he tenderly calls her name, Mary. She remembers his voice as she walked with him. She remembers the love that he had shown her when no one else had shown her love. Last night, I walked through here and prayed in the darkness for this day and for you. And this is part of what I prayed. Jesus, would you help people hear you calling their name today? Because the truth is, he's been after you with his love all your life. He was after me. Kenny wrote a song that we sang, that chorus that says, he knows who you are and he died on that cross for you. And in the first service when I heard that, I just had this little video of my life play in my mind. It's never happened to me before. I saw myself as a young man after I'd been in a fight with another person and I had their blood all over my body. And I saw how angry I was. And then I saw myself as a college student when I fell away from God, when I turned my back on Jesus. And then I felt the grace of God and how he's spoken to me in my life and how he came to me. And when I was ready, he wrapped his arms of love around me. And when he was at the cross, he was thinking of me. When he was at the cross, he was thinking of Mary. When he was at the cross, he was thinking of you, Ashley of you, Jennifer, of you, George, of you, James, every person here, whoever you are, he was thinking of us, and I believe he would tenderly call your name today, just like he did Mary's. She turned and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher, but it also means the highest form of master. She gets it now. She knew he was a great man. She felt he was a prophet. She did not think he was the Messiah until this moment. And she knew because later in verse 18, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Wow. She knows who he is. And all I can say is if, if you'll cry out to Jesus like I did, 
he'll answer you too. Second thought I have for you from the scriptures in John 20 today is this. You are valuable to Jesus and he cares about you. John 20, verse 15, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, Dear woman, why are you crying? Mary had had a rough life. She is just bawling here and Jesus has compassion on her and he cares for her. She's overwhelmed. She was at the foot of the cross when he died. She followed him through the streets when he had been beaten and emasculated. She's coming to the grave. Everybody's gone. She's there alone and his body is taken and she just, she can't handle it anymore. You ever been there in life? Someone she loved was gone and she just began to weep. And Jesus called her dear woman. A lot of the translations of the Bible say woman there, not dear woman. But dear woman's a better translation because that Greek word carries with it the thought of a woman who is special to the one speaking. So it's more than just woman, it really is dear woman. Mary's life had been really rough before Jesus showed up. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that this woman had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus Christ. She's a bad lady at one time in her life. There are many scholars who think that she was a prostitute. The reason they believe that is the city of Magdala, Mary of Magdalene, it meant the city she was from, had a great reputation for prostitution. And though the Bible never says she was a prostitute, we see in Luke 7.37, when it's speaking of Mary Magdalene, it says this, when a woman who had lived a sinful life. So we, we know that she's from a city where there's prostitution, and we don't know if she was a prostitute. We know she had seven demons cast out of her, so she was pretty messed up and taken over by the enemy. But what we do know for sure is that she lived such an openly sinful life that everybody in the community knew her. And that's what she was known for. So it's likely she was a prostitute. And this woman who no one else really cared for, Jesus shows up in her life and he loves her. He brings healing to her. He blesses her. And she starts to follow him as a prophet on this earth. And now, overwhelmed by grief, she can hardly believe it. She was so grateful to Jesus for bringing her close to God the Father. And she finds it hard to believe that he has died. She finds it hard to believe in her life that Jesus loves her. But he does. Some of us have messed up so much in our lives, we think God doesn't want us anymore, but it's not true. That's just a lie from the enemy. No matter where you've been, no matter what your sin was, Jesus will forgive you. Jesus came to die for you. Jesus loves me and forgave me. Jesus loves you and will forgive you. There are none of us in this place that think we're a big deal, but we know who the big deal is. We know the one who's forgiven us. We know the one who's brought peace and joy to our lives. Have you ever heard the name Steve McQueen? An actor. He was cooler than the other side of the pillow, Steve McQueen. (laughs) Top billing. There's a movie out called Bullet. 
You might want to see it someday. His life was filled with success, but alcohol overtook him and he had a failed marriage near the end of his life. And he was discouraged and depressed. And he went to a meeting of a Billy Graham associate. And in that meeting, he heard about the grace of God. He didn't accept Christ, but he asked if if he could have a meeting with Billy Graham. And Billy Graham connected a flight through Los Angeles and went to meet with Steve McQueen. They sat in Steve's limo for two hours and they talked about God. Billy Graham showed him the scriptures, but he found it hard to believe that he could be forgiven after living such a rough life. Finally, one scripture hit home with Steve McQueen that Billy Graham was sharing that day, and it was this one, Titus 1-2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. That struck a chord in Steve McQueen's heart, and he said, could you write that down for me? And Billy Graham said, I'll, I'll do better than that. And he marked it in his Bible. He said, here, take my Bible. Steve McQueen had a battle with cancer that would eventually take his life shortly after and he was in Mexico when he died looking for special treatment for that cancer. But when they found him, he had that Bible on his chest. He was gone, but that verse was marked. Eternal hope, promised long ago. I think it's so cool that Steve McQueen is in heaven. Don't you think that's cool? (laughs) No matter what you've done, you are dear to God. So much so that he gave his son's life. So much so that the wrath that must be poured out on sin was poured out on Jesus so God the Father would not have to pour it out on his creation, on you and I, the ones he loves. The Bible says that you're his child. The Bible says you're the apple of his eye. The Bible says that God the Father so loved us that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. That's what John 3.16 says. Mary loved Jesus because Jesus cared about Mary when nobody else did. Mary found out that he was not only friend, but he was Savior. God cares about you and I, even when other people haven't cared about us. Even when we haven't lived for him, he still loves us and he still seeks to draw us. And he's drawing some today. Here's what it says in Romans 5 eight. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For my last point from these scriptures today, I want to emphasize this. Jesus will give you peace and joy that lasts forever. Chapter 20, verse 18 of John. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. She recognizes, she knows that he is Lord, not just friend. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And now to all the disciples, he appears and he says this, peace be with you. Jesus says that over and over again in the New Testament. I've come to give you peace. Don't you want peace in your life? I love that graphic that was up there in those pictures a moment ago of, that, of the heart with the missing puzzle piece right in the middle. See, that's how life is until you come to Jesus. 
I'm not bragging. I'm just saying God offers that kind of grace. And once you've been touched by Jesus, you know that was the missing piece in your life. Once you receive him, you feel how he comes in to fill that void. Maybe you're young and you're searching for the thrill. And you want to go your own way. I was there once. It's only pain that's in front of you. Anything you try to fill that void with besides Jesus Christ will eventually come up empty and you'll see. Maybe you're older like I am now and you've been down the road and you've tried to fill that void with people and things and and you're disappointed in the end. You realize, I got it, I had what I wanted and I still feel unfulfilled. If you're looking for peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He offers peace to everyone who's here today. I read a story this week about a counselor named Bruce Larson who lives in New York City. He has his offices on Fifth Avenue. And every now and then he'd come to a person who was trying to make their decision, do I want to receive Christ or not? And several times he did this. He said, follow me. He took them down to Fifth Avenue and there in front of the building that he worked in was a statue of Atlas with rippling muscles and the world on his back under tremendous strain, he was holding it up. And Bruce Larson, the counselor, would say, that's one way to live, where you try to carry it all yourself. A whole weight of the world on your shoulders. And he said, follow me across the street. And then he would go to St. Patrick's Cathedral and there was a statue of the young Jesus as a boy. And with no strain at all, Jesus had the world in his hands. And Bruce would say, here's the other way to live. Give your world over to Jesus and let him carry you. That's peace. Will you give him your world? Will you let him, who holds all things in his hands, hold you? John 20, 20 He was speaking to them now and he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. I mean, that's what really matters. He died for you. He died for me. He paid the price for our sins and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I'm telling you that not only peace will come to your life, but joy will come to your life when you accept Jesus Christ. I'm not speaking as a guy who's always got it right. You've heard a little bit of my story this morning. I'm speaking as a guy that knows both sides and both roads. And I'm telling you that when I came to Jesus, peace and joy came. Doesn't mean that life doesn't have any trouble. It does mean that Jesus will walk you through everything and help you be an overcomer and that you can have that peace and joy in your heart. That's what he brings. The abundant life, John 10.10 says, the full life. I want to tell you a story of something that happened recently. As a matter of fact, on April 10th, I was Facebooked by my friend Toby, who said, hey, I'm going to be with my brother-in-law in Big Bear, California. He's been diagnosed with stage four cancer. He doesn't have long to live. He's 57 and he doesn't know Jesus. Would you pray for me that the Lord will help me share with him? And I sent a message back, said, you bet, buddy. Karen and I will pray. And then I just said this. Have the courage 
to pray with them and ask him to pray with you. And he said, I will. A few days later, I got a message back, not long after. And I heard this story. Toby sat in his house with Bob. Bob's house in California. And he said to Bob, who doesn't have long to live, Bob, are you good with God? And Bob said, I don't know. Well, have you ever accepted Jesus? I don't think so. How do you do that? And Toby said he was afraid. The fear, you know, it comes at that moment, but he just worked through it. It's called courage. It's not the absence of fear, it's the overcoming of it. And he said, well, here's how it works. You've made mistakes. Jesus died for you. You ask him to come into your heart and he wipes the slate clean. And Toby said before he could be done with what he was sharing, Bob stepped up on that porch. They were outside now and said, well, let's get it done then. (laughs) And Toby couldn't believe it. 57 years without God. And Bob, who doesn't have long to live, prayed the sinner's prayer with him right there and received Christ into his heart. That was just two weeks ago that that happened. That is an incredible story. That's a story that God wants to give for a lot of our loved ones. He'll use even us to share our story, to bless them and help them come to him. But something cool is happening today. As a matter of fact, it's probably happened already. Bob, who got saved that day, has a daughter Tina, who got saved three years ago. Tina called her dad. She's really excited that her dad came to Jesus. She said, Dad, would you come on Easter Sunday to my church? Because I'm getting water baptized. I'd like you to be there. And dad said this, I'd like to come. Do you think they would baptize me in water too? And today, Tina and Bob, today, Tina and Bob were in a service where they got baptized. Is that incredible? Let's give the Lord glory for that. Can we do that? Jesus wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you peace. He has joy for you. But I don't want you to overlook this fact. What he really has that's the most valuable is eternal life. Acts 4.12 tells us there's only one way to be saved. And it's through Jesus Christ who died for our sins. Why only Jesus? Because Jesus was the Father's only plan. Because Jesus is the only one that the Father sent. Because Jesus is the only one who paid the price and died for our sins. Because Jesus is the only one who's risen to prove that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Why only Jesus? Because it's only Jesus who did this for us. There's no other way to be saved. And look what it says to us in the scriptures. I tell you the truth, John 5, 24. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. 